psychomagic works because you're accessing all the subconscious stuff those things were conscious but because you never worked with it at the time it got pushed back further and further into the deeper layers of the subconscious and so you have to make it conscious to understand what it is that is not the language of our soul the language of our soul is different it's visual it's symbolic it's colors shapes sensations it's like a dream poems connect you to your symbolic language because poems are mostly metaphors and symbolism to me the most powerful human forces are imagination and our creativity we have to work through all of the shit that our forefathers didn't work through Today's guest is Nicole Brenny. Nicole is a Vedic astrologer, YouTuber, and coach, and a good friend of mine. She and I met many years ago when we were both DJs at this pirate underground radio station in Brooklyn, a uh, total lifetime ago. Um, and actually, back then, she was one of the people that got me to entertain what I usually used to write off as magical thinking. I mean, I used to think that um, astrology and tarot was 100% ridiculous, bogus, whatever. And I don't believe in the stuff to the degree that she does, but she was able to frame it in a way that made rational sense. She's a very intelligent person, and I like what she has to say about human behavior and recognizing that these symbols are, are symbols of the unconscious. And we speak about that quite a bit in this episode uh, and some other things that uh, fall in the mystical realm, but also in application to psychology and our behavior and our unconscious patterns, which is my shit. Uh, specifically, we speak about psychomagic. Uh, this is a term coined by Alejandro Jodorowsky, who a lot of people know for his filmmaking, but he's also done various shamanic things. Um, and he wrote a book called Manual to Psychomagic, which I also already happened to have because I picked it up randomly in this hippie bookstore in Vermont like a year or two ago. Anyway, uh, Nicole just got into that uh, form of work and she did a psychomagic session on me like a week and a half ago and gave me the psychomagic act assignment and it was very interesting i actually found it to be very useful as a way of like uh working through like this unconscious pattern that i was actually not conscious of in regards to my relationship so it's very cool it was very interesting uh we, we speak about some other things in this episode uh, of a similar nature uh jodorowsky himself and um and actually for anyone who was like me who uh, kind of scoffs at certain magical thinking ideas. I think this is a really fun episode, interesting episode of how these symbols apply to uh, practical use in our life. So it's fun speaking with her. Hope you enjoy this episode. You can find her work at NicoleBrenny.com. She's got a YouTube channel. Listen to the stars. She's got, if you're into astrology, she's got all sorts of stuff. And she mentioned if you are interested in working with her or drawn to her, but you don't know for what, Hit her up on the internet, hi at NicoleBrenny.com. Right now you're listening to episode 094, Nicole Brenny, Psychomagic. The Ruando Podcast is an exploration of the unconscious and the game of life. Be sure to visit Ruando.com to get a preview chapter of my upcoming book, Infinite Play, and free access to my content library. Enjoy the show. All right, we're recording. We're here. Nicole Brenny, good to see you. Hello. It's great to see you. <laughs> Excellent. All right, so we're talking about psychomagic. Um, you gave me yeah. a thing. Would you call it a spell? Is it a, what, would you, what do you call it? An um, assignment, actually, a prescription? So, yeah, I, never, I did not invent the term 
or coined the term psychomagic. That was Alejandro yes. Hodorowski. Yes, he's right Yeah, here. exactly. Well, are we actually using the video? No, no, we're not. Oh, sorry. Oh, okay. So for everyone who's listening, I'm holding the book called The Manual of Psychomagic, A Practice in Shamanic Psychotherapy by Alejandro Jodorowsky. Yeah, yes. Hodorowsky, if you use the Spanish pronunciation, he is from Chile, I so don't. I know that. <laughs> and um, the, coin, or the term that he coined to, uh, for the prescription that I gave you is a psychomagic act. So that's gotcha. what you would call it is a psychomagic act, not really a spell, but yeah, it kind of works off of that same idea of spells that um, I don't even remember where I was reading this, but someone was really consolidating this really well, where they were talking about the fact that like a spell would always be super ridiculous, you know, like you need the left toe of a frog and sand from Hawaii or whatever it was. And then you put this all into a magical pot and it creates a potion that will give you love. And so it's a spell in the same way that it's very difficult usually, but it's different in the sense that it comes from a different kind of philosophical background. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, like, there's, even from a purely reductionist, rationalist perspective, like, there's all these cases of like, I forget what the effect is. Like if you go on a long pilgrimage to a sacred site for a miracle, the longer you travel, the, the greater the miracle effect is. Like it's somehow like whatever placebo effect, if you suffer for it, it works better. Yeah, and, and it must just be, like I think it is that kind of like mind over matter sort of thing that's happening or something because obviously like an inanimate object sometimes, Sometimes, like, I do believe crystals have powers because <laughs> I can, like, feel the energy off of them. One of those. Them. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, like, other inanimate objects obviously don't necessarily have power. But when we, when we place significance there, I do think that that's powerful. Like, they say in Vedic astrology when it comes to something called remedies. So, a remedy in Vedic astrology, which I've also studied, is something that can help you to overcome a difficulty in your birth chart. So for instance, if your planet of Saturn is really bad in your birth chart, it could lead to ill effects maybe for your health if Saturn rules over areas of your, of your chart related to health. So for thousands and thousands of years, astrologers in India have been giving their clients remedies, usually in the form of purchasing crazy expensive jewels in order to alleviate the effects of that. And there are so many astrologers that have studied and are Vedic astrologers that say, you know, more important than buying an expensive gem, or sometimes they prescribe mantras, is to do something that's symbolically important for you in your particular situation, something that has meaning for you. So that too, I think, is another layer of the healing process for many people. And that aspect of it is something that I think psychomagic nails so much more directly, you know, like that's why a pilgrimage works because that particular belief system is so important to you more. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like obviously you want to be healed, but you have this belief in this God or in this religion that supports that and supports you in that experience. Yeah, so, so we're going to define it in a second, but I just on what you said, if the remedy works partly or mostly or completely because you believe in it, is the problem also the same? Like with the example you're giving, is like if they have this negative thing in their birth chart, 
is it really a, is the problems effects there because they have also believed in that in a way i think that is true like i think um when i teach like anything that i teach um but one particular thing that i teach called the cards of truth we have these 52 playing cards that describe all the different spiritual lessons right but there are two playing cards in that whole deck that kind of describe things that are completely out of your control. So there's 50 things that are like, okay, yeah, they're kind of like manageable things. They're like programs that you have running, things that you can really kind of deal with in a certain way. But then there are two thing, or two cards that describe everything else. Like there's obviously going to be situations in our life that are just like totally, completely beyond our control. You know, we're being held hostage in the trunk of someone's car and our captor is about to kill us. Like there's no, there's no uh, sub subconscious technique you can do or prayer you can do or positive thinking you can do or law of attraction that you can do that's going to keep you from that ultimate death that you know is going to happen. These situations are described very well by the playing cards of the seven of diamonds and the nine of hearts. So that's just, that's all of that. Now what you're talking about is every single other playing card in the deck, which is 50 of them. And that is like anything that is created based off of, you know, the spade suit, which is like our self-knowledge and our self-work. Like we need to work on ourselves more. We need to become better and stronger. Um, the heart suit, which is our emotional self. So learning how to become at peace within our emotions and learning how to love um, in a healthy way. Um, the diamond suit. So our relationship and attachment to our material and physical world, our tangible self and our self-worth. And then usually the area that um, counselors and psychologists, therapists, astrologers are working on is a club suit, which is our belief system and all of that. And all of these different areas of life, these four areas of life all end up kind of getting pushed back so far into the subconscious. Right. And so the, and the thing is like psychomagic works because you're accessing all the subconscious stuff that you don't even like, sometimes you don't even know what's wrong. You're like, I know that there's a block. I know that I'm stopping myself from doing something or not loving the way that I should, or not having a healthy relationship by my, by, or about myself, but I don't know why. At a certain point, those things were conscious, whether it was when you were one years old or, or one year old or five years old or 30 years old, but because you never worked with it at the time, it got pushed back further and further into the deeper layers of the subconscious. So yes, it's something that is like in your control, but depending on when you're addressing the issue, it could be more obvious where you really know this is what it is. It's one of these 50 things more or less, or it's pushed back into the subconscious. And so you have to make it conscious to understand what it is. Or alternatively, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, there's no work you can do. There's no mantra you can say or spell you can do that will save you from the situation or help you. It's beyond your control. Does that make sense? Uh, kind of. I mean, I guess what I'm getting is like, if something, is, if something happened to you when you're one and it's like impossible to remember it and if it's, it's impossible to go back and work with it, it, it it's, it's almost no different than than just like nature or uh, the planetary alignments causing it. It's like so far back that it's like beyond what you can deal with anyway, directly. Um, mm -hmm. And it actually just make me think like, so I, you and I believe in different things. I think, you know, like 
I, I don't know where you are on past life regression. It's not really something that I entertain, but one explanation that really made sense to me about it is like, if you keep going and having these like hypnotic past life things and you keep getting burned at the stake, it doesn't necessarily mean that you were once Joan of Arc who got burned at the stake, but it might've been that when you were four, you were ostracized in a way and that became represented to you as stake burning as an adult because you barely remember it. And it's the same thing in essence. I love that you said that because I've been doing past life readings for clients on a very like highly intuitive level for the last several years, like five, six years, something like that. And, um, you know, I don't know if past lives are real. How are we supposed to prove them? Like you can some, you can find sometimes a historical links. Like when I do the readings, I find these crazy historical links. And sometimes I'll do a reading that's incredibly specific for a client. My favorite example of that is I told someone they were a perfume seller in Atlantis and they sold perfume made from yellow flowers. And they had already had a past life reading a couple of years earlier where they were told the exact same thing. <laughs> like, so there's that evidence that I have. But besides that, like anecdotal evidence, how are we supposed to prove that they're real? Yeah. So to but that doesn't me, mean the that they actually had a past life. It could be that you both you and the other person are reading something about them that's being represented by yellow flower essences. It could have been that's that they, exactly, like, got, yeah. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. That's exactly what I want to hit the point of is what I've said some in some of my videos is, you know, I don't really care if past lives are real. That's not what's interesting to me. What's interesting to me is that in a past life reading, similar to psychomagic, you are speaking in a symbolic language and through that highly intuitive work you're usually going to be speaking in a symbolic language that is natural for your client and it's going to be a la the language that they also speak they also speak in these symbols of atlantis perfume yellow flowers and when you speak that language and you deal with the symbols that are important to them specifically they respond to that on a deeper level and they start to work out the wounds, issues, problems that are not conscious, but subconscious. So I find clients have a more transformative experience, oftentimes through a past life reading than any of my other readings, because that is one of the readings where I'm speaking that language that, you know, when we have conscious things made subconscious, we usually pack them in symbols mm -hmm. or we, we translate, it becomes translated into our symbolic or typical language. So past life readings and coaching is where I work with that language the most, including using psychomagic techniques in coaching. Yeah, well, it was fun. We could talk about your session with me in a second. Um, but yeah, it's like, that's why I really love talking about dreams with clients or even just like, just talk. I mean, it's like, I mean, I, and I come at coaching with from a very different angle, but kind of at the same thing with the symbols, it's like, that is their subconscious giving you their words. Like they don't, it doesn't speak in words. It speaks in, I don't know why I was wearing a, a tuba as a helmet in that dream, but it means something, you know, like all those things. Um, well, cool. can I ask you something quick? Yeah. Cause you've been coaching even longer than me. And one of the things that I like to do when I'm coaching too, is listen to the words that clients use often, like the mm. weird, the weird metaphors and idioms that they use all the time. And also sometimes when they use them and they use them wrong and the wrong way in which they're using them. Like I had a client a couple months ago that instead of saying, I need to get all my ducks in a row, 
She said, I need to get all my eggs in a row. <laughs> to me, that was a really, really important statement. You know, I still haven't forgotten it, right? Yeah. And it really expressed how she was feeling. She was speaking in her symbolic language about how she was feeling about her life, right? Is that something that you also do? Because it's something that I think coaches just do naturally. I think so. I, I, I didn't attribute it to coaching. I attributed it to writing. Like I pick on people's phrases. That's actually my, my favorite way to flirt with someone is like I tease them on the way that they speak. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I, yeah, I do it with all everyone friends. It's like, um, but yeah, so I've, I, I noticed patterns and I think it does say something about, uh, yeah, where they're at. Absolutely. And when you, I've had some clients for years and when you really, really know their language, you know, oh, okay, they're really on the path that they want to be on. Or, okay, it seems like they're veering off the path because the language is not matching, you know, or it's like they're speaking, they're speaking unpositively about the situation, even though they're not, you know that they are because of this symbolic language that they're speaking, you know, it's mm -hmm. um, really important. All, or have you dabbled in it? No, I did have an ex-boyfriend whose mom was an NLP expert and she used it on me in a really manipulative, manipulative and demonic way, which okay. left me completely drained and flabbergasted and upset. Well, it is a, it so is a type know, of spell casting. <laughs> I know the power of it, but I knew she was doing NLP, so I knew how to like not be casted, I guess. But um, I, would, I would be now knowing the power of it, I am interested in learning it, but I don't know enough about it. I just know how it feels and I know like the basics of it. It's, yeah. it can be scary. Yeah. It's, it's you know, it's, I, I feel similar. Like I've been aware of it for a really long time. It seems like something I could get really into, but then I always, I know I never really died. I, I know basic things and you know, like open looping is a technique that I, but anyway, I, why did I bring this up? Oh, well, I mean, whenever you, in the small bits I've studied, they always talk about presuppositions. Like when, when a client, when someone makes a statement, not only is it their, their statement, there's like what the statement implies. Like you see this a lot in outrage culture where like someone says something, but to even acknowledge it means you're agreeing to some other statement they didn't actually say. Like there's an implied mm. statement in order to answer the question, you have to agree to their implied statement. Anyway. Lots of traps, lots of traps can be used for good and evil. Um, let's, yeah, yeah, I always wanted to study NLP just to like be able to know when other people were using it on me more than to use it on others. <laughs> like when somebody's trying to sell me something, I'd be like, okay, are they, is this real or are they just using NLP? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Anyway, let's talk about, let's talk about um, our session because you were coaching, psychomagicking me about my relationship pattern. Oh, and actually, you mentioned something that I wanted to um, highlight. Um, I think I'm quite aware about my relationship stuff. I talk about my relationship stuff with my friends. A lot of my friends are relationship coaches. Like, and I know, you know, I can analyze it and talk about it and blah, blah, blah. What was cool about what talking to you about it was that we didn't go into those details. Because even though I can talk about all the patterns and stuff, and I'm aware of a lot of it, I still feel shitty about stuff. And we kind of just went with symbols, which was more fun and different. And I will say, yeah, just it sh sh shined, a, shone, shined a different light on these ill feelings I've been feeling. We talked about poop yeah. a lot. <laughs> well, I like how you said, I, 
I, uh, you used the word shitty already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, uh, I like it? poop language. Yeah, that's, that's part my, of his uh, symbolic language. Yeah, poop is, um, poop is like my one health metric. If my, if my bowel movements are good, I feel like it doesn't matter what I've been eating or doing, I'm healthy. And if not, I'm not healthy. That's just how I feel. And some people don't even pay attention to that. They're like, they're completely unaware, you know? Yeah. They have absolutely no clue what's going on in the toilet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so anyway, uh, I spoke to you about my relationship stuff. You called out my poop stuff and I guess taste language. I was referring to flavors or... Did you yeah, a lot about... That? I don't remember. A lot about food and um, nourishment too. Mm, so it was kind mm. of like the whole pathway of fla taste, flavor, food, eating, getting the uh, nutrients and nourishment all the way to the toilet. We traveled that whole journey right? yeah. <laughs> within your conversation. <laughs> we went through Ron's whole digestive tract track yeah. conversation about his relationships, which was very fascinating for me. Yeah, because, uh, and, and you, I guess you've known me for a while. And, and well, I don't know. I've never really talked to you about my relationships, I don't think. You, you've known some a of my little partners. Bit. Um, but what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So one thing that I recognize is that I have had this, like, gross vegetable perception of relationships. Like, there's all this stuff that tastes really bad, and I hate it, but it's good for me, so I have to stomach it. And so like, yeah. that was interesting just to think about. Cause I mean, if someone explained it to me without the food language, I probably would have been like, yeah, I mean, okay. But like something about like symbolizing it with Brussels sprouts really made it land. Um, oh, and actually your first question to me was like, you were, I was uh, mentioning nausea, thinking about a certain relationship and you meant, you asked me how it felt. And like the best description I had was chitterlings, like, like pig intestines. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And then, uh, well, you assigned me to eat something gross, so I ate chitterlings, and that was yeah. Uh, so, let me just give some people some context because they're probably really confused as to what happened and what the session even was mm -hmm. at this point. Because they're just like, okay, they're talking about shit and Brussels sprouts. Yeah. Okay, so basically, um, we just started talking. It was just um, over a Facebook video, and. What I do is I take my clients through like a little bit of a process. And honestly, one of my clients was like, you know, oh, can't I just do this to myself? Like, why do I need you? I'm like, well, first off, you don't even know what the process is, but not really, because depending on the client, it's going to be different. The way I approach my clients going to be different. The questions I ask are going to be different. The techniques I use are going to be different. And it really is like coaching because depending on what Ruan was saying and how he was responding, I'm like in the field figuring out what my next question is going to be. How am I going to get the information that I need to help him? So I kind of took Ruan through a process of asking him a lot of questions and question asking is definitely, definitely a coaching technique, but the questions I'm asking are strange and seem to not be related at all to relationships at times. And then based off of those responses and based off of what I'm seeing, it's almost like I'm, it's almost like within that session, I'm learning how to speak Ruan's symbolic language. I'm understanding what that language even means. And then based off of the speaking of that language, I write him a psychomagic act in his own language. So we were talking all about this food and digestion and shit. And then I gave him a psychomagic act. And do you want to share with 
your audience the psychomagic act it's up to you but yeah yeah you know i don't care i mean talk about all this stuff actually i have it written on a post-it from when we spoke yeah. it's still on my desk so for five days eat a gross food every day and then watch and love my poo as it goes out uh you know as a, as i flush it or for 60 <laughs> seconds you said and then following right. that i almost share on that so um i obviously had to get oh no i went with beef intestines because i don't eat pork usually well, that's, well, that's changing. I listened to this podcast on cannibalism and I think, I, I was like, oh, I could probably eat a human. So I could probably eat pig again. So I did start to work. You got to that, you got to that point of thought in your mind that you could eat a human? Well, I know it was like, uh, it's uh, actually this podcast Martyr Made. Uh, it's like a history, okay. I guess it's a history podcast. Anyway, he was talking about ritual cannibalism and like why it existed. And I was like, yeah, if I was okay. in that society, like, if I was an Aztec, anyway. And I haven't you can't just you can't just throw that out randomly in a conversation <laughs> and then not address it. <laughs> but well, I haven't eaten pork for the most part in a while because okay. pork is so close to the human flesh. But anyway, yes. okay. so I, I ate beef intestines. <laughs> um, it was it. Well, I didn't like cook it with spices, so it, it smelled gross. It tasted gross. It's a very weird and gross texture. But I was eating it and like you know eating it trying to be neutral if you know if you don't wince it's it's just kind of like a weird thing in your mouth it actually kind of tastes like nothing if you don't smell it um and then you said for the second five days to eat a really sweet food uh and then sit in beauty daily and appreciate that and then sit on the toilet i didn't do this part uh i sit on the toilet with the lid closed when i flush my poop you didn't do that part i honestly forgot Okay, but you did, <laughs> so you didn't complete it. Uh, sorry, this not. dog is, okay. No, okay, but let's talk about the results. Actually, you know what, you want to hear something funny is yeah. my grandpa Bill, whenever someone would leave the bathroom after being in, a, being in the bathroom for a long time, he would always say to the person, did you get results? <laughs> so, Ruan, let's hear your results. Um... Well, actually, right in the beginning, just the concept of it, not to say that I didn't, you know, I'm sure doing it had an effect too, but just the concept of it, of like recognizing, like, I forced myself to stomach experiences I haven't wanted for people I'm in relationship with for some ideal, like, like oh, I need this for vitamins, right? But I really don't enjoy it. And it's actually, actually uh, it's changed my view of food. I'm like, I'm only going to eat stuff that tastes good. It doesn't mean that it's going to be unhealthy. Like I've just been eating fruit and meat and I feel great. Um, I, mean, I love sense. what you just said. I love what you just said that, that like something that tastes good can be healthy. Yeah. Cause like for the longest time I've, I've even talked about this with my close friends. Like I've had this idea that relationships can't possibly be sustainably fun. It's like, relationships are for when you're ready to be bored with the rest of your life and kind of unhappy. And then you do, I mean, not, you know, it's kind of been like a thing, like a underlying feeling I've had. Um, but, and then, yeah. And then just like recognizing, like I can have things that taste good. It's fine. And like, yeah, I've been eating a ton of fruit and it's like, I can eat all the fruit I want. Like, why should I feel bad about eating fruit, et cetera. Oh, and the one thing that tastes good to me that it's not good for me, like cookies and baked goods and stuff, but those always mess up my poops. So when I think about how I want to poop well, I go for the mango instead of the cookies for the most part. Right. 
and also, <laughs> you know, this is, we're going into weird territory, but um, when you actually are healthy, you know, your body, you naturally, like when you're actually balanced within yourself, you don't naturally crave cookies and things like that. Like when everything's working really well, you have the right bacteria and everything. Like cookies and cakes and everything is like fun to have, but not like something you would crave. It's just mm-hmm. getting that um, bacteria balance right in your stomach too. So like, I think if you are craving those things over time, as you work on your health, it would go away. Yeah. Naturally. I mean, to complete the metaphor, it's like jumping on Tinder after eating a lot of vegetables, you know, it's like, you don't, if you're healthy, you don't need to do those things. Um, but anyway, yeah, so that, that's what I learned. Oh, and actually, all right, so one thing you, you mentioned in our session that I thought was great uh, was pointing out how, in addition to like having to work in a psychomagic act, the weirder, the better, like just because the weirdness puts you outside of reality. It's not like just doing a life hacking tip. It's like you're dealing with guts or like, and actually fit in with the idea of cannibalism that I've been learning about, like just doing weird shit. You know, if you see a car crash, it totally, you can totally implant a new reality. Like something that's very unusual will um, just like put you in a weird headspace, a malleable headspace. Right. And I, at this point, I don't give people really, really crazy psychomagic acts because it it depends. Like some people are, they're really ready for it, but you have to really listen. And um, I've given people really difficult psychomagic acts that like um, really hard on them, but not necessarily like disgusting or whatever. And also that could also point to some work I have to do within myself in terms of that area potentially of shame you could have pushed you could have pushed me harder i thought you were gonna ask me to play with my poop or do something with my poop because i mentioned poop so much so i was like kind of surprised you didn't but um anyway yeah and also sometimes you want to start out people with small things but yeah psychomagic can definitely get really crazy if you have that book you probably read through it i gave my friend that book and she was like oh my god i started reading it and he was recommending people put pennies up their anus (laughs) for seven days things like that and you know I'm still also trying to figure out the structure I don't offer psychomagic as like its own particular session right now and if I were going to do that I would probably um, want to have people sign some disclaimers beforehand you know so I Mm. use it in kind of a way that makes sense to my work and also I actually use it in my own way I kind of have a very different approach to how I access the information and how I prescribe the act. So while I learned from Hodorowski from reading his books and speaking to some of his like first descendants of his work, I, um, it's actually a result of that plus my own techniques that I've developed over time and work that I've actually learned through um, having homeopathic treatments with my teacher Ernst Wilhelm. So there are some things that he was doing in his assessments that really intrigued me. And I kind of peeled that back a little further and explored that more. So it's like a, so it's not like a straight up psychomagic. It's, um, you know, I've been doing this kind of work for a long time. So I added in my own things that make sense for me. I mean, given that it's so personal and subjective, like I, you know, uh, he has all these like psychomagic acts, but he's really just telling stories of things he did for certain people. Like, like the, 
like he'll have a thing on warts and how wart represents something with a guy's mother. But that doesn't mean everyone's wart represents something with everyone's mother. It just happens to be like that thing with them. Although I did do the eczema spell and the way that he did it because I get eczema. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was interesting. It was an excuse to talk to my ex because I started getting eczema in my body after like one of my more serious relationships, actually one that you know of. Um, and uh, every breakup, I only realized this just before this call, like rereading this chapter, every breakup, I have an eczema outbreak. Wow. So I guess the spell didn't work because I, I asked her to spit oh, in my didn't? She said no. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> But we did have a good conversation and you know that, that was fine and i haven't had eczema around my eyes but i still get eczema sometimes all right and i had eczema recently from a recent breakup well that whole crew the hodorowski and his descendants they really link everything back to the family tree ancestral mm-hmm. tree which was really hard for me at first because like i had a session or whatever with my friend christophe and it was like yeah, everything ha- relates to your mother issues, you know, and I was like, okay, well, yeah, of course, to a certain degree, I already know, like, the, my mother's lineage, there's lots of problems there, you know, not necessarily, not necessarily with my mom, but just that lineage, you know, like, my grandmother left Chile because of how, like, severe her family was, but, that, like, tr- like, either it's really subconscious in me, and it needs to be approached more on a symbolic level, like the work that I do, or it is something else, you know? So they really relate everything back to like the relationship with the father, the mother, the grandmother, the brother, you know? And um, and probably at a root, everything is, you know? And there's a saying, someone once said, we are our own ancestors, which I really, really like, which kind of just tells me we have to work through all of the shit that our forefathers didn't work through to a certain yeah. degree. Yeah, well, it makes sense. I mean, even like on a genetic level, our our DNA came from our parents, which came from their grandparents. We have the same information in a mutation and makes sense that certain behaviors at least would carry on with that. And then, of course, all of our our early childhood imprinting comes from our parents. That's basically like all of our behaviors when it comes to emotions and scarcity or abundance or navigating love you know, so it's not the, yeah, it's this idea that makes sense. Um, yeah, wait, so what are you working on in your life? Well, I wanted to just say when you're saying sure. pro, uh, imprinting, I call that programming. Yeah, so if I was using that word before. We're talking about the same thing. And yeah, that's the stuff that's oh. the hardest to work with. And I will tell you what I'm working on in my own life, but I was just wondering, so did you enjoy the psychomagic act and do you think it helped you? Yeah. I mean, well, to be honest, I think the idea of it helped me more than doing it. Like, right. Because like I, I got to day two of eating the, the, the stuff. And then I was also, I, I was already appreciating when I was eating good tasting things more. And I was really thinking like, there's no reason why I need to force myself to eat stuff I don't want to eat mm. I was gonna say shit eat shit I don't want to eat um so I was like yeah I, I think I got it I mean I did I continued it but I think that just like just starting it was good enough or even like to have it maybe be shorter or something because I think I got the message maybe other people need to do something for 10 days but I don't know 
Yeah, it's like to create it as a habit rather than like, you know, you can understand something and you can get a handle of it, but to create it as a habit or a new imprint, that's why usually you do things are like, why am I doing this thing for so long? Because it's to create that new program. But um, yeah, and I think that 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 is really valuable. Just, Just to me, a lot of the work that I've done with like my whole business or whatever the last few years has really been about that, like trying to figure out my client's symbolic archetypical language. And even if I can just get them to define their problem within it, it, that's like enough that changes everything. Mm -hmm. Like they don't have to do the psychomagic act or whatever, but just to define what you're experiencing in your own language, it's like, yeah, it makes everything so much easier and it gives you, everything that you need to know to move forward. And that's, that's what I do in my own life. And that really has helped me. And that's why I do it for others, you know, and I think that that's the first step. That's kind of the work that I do in my life purpose coaching package is I get people to the point where they're able to define their life purpose in their own language, in their own way. That makes it real. They can go Mm -hmm. to every single other astrologer and they can get they can pay thousands of dollars for readings about their life purpose and be completely unsatisfied. But once their life purpose is defined by them in their own language, it's like they never get another life purpose reading again. <laughs> They're like, mm-hmm. okay, I got it done because we don't all speak English. We don't all speak Spanish. We don't all speak whatever. That is not the language of our soul. The language of our soul is different. It's visual, you mm-hmm. know, it's symbolic. It's colors, shapes, sensations. It's, something different for sure Mm. like a dream yeah oh did you um read that book i sent you game of life no not yet because you know why i didn't i will read it but because i have a whole like 100 books here i have to read that are getting moldy so i'm prioritizing my book reading based off of which book is the moldiest (laughs) 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 they're like disintegrating in my hands and i'm like I have to read this book before it disintegrates. That's an interesting so like, problem. I'm like um, flipping pages with sticks. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, um, it's by Timothy Leary, the Harvard professor who experimented with LSD early on. That's what he's famous for. Um, that book I sent you takes the tarot cards and shows how's the progression of consciousness from the beginning till the end. And he, mm. and he goes through the I love different... That the different um he goes really deep into it so i think you would appreciate it even more than me because he goes like each card is a different stage within infancy and then within toddlerhood and then that that's the more stuff i'm more interested in but like on how they provide a map of how to get to the next stage of development because a lot of people get stuck in early imprints um so i love that and I will read it. I will read it, but um, like I'll read it on an airplane or something because it's electronic. But what I was going to say is if people are interested in the psychomagic stuff, Alejandro Hodorowski also is a tarot expert. And so he does a very similar thing where he uses tarot in a non-predictive way to kind of point out exactly kind of what you're saying. So I'm wondering how aligned that work is with Hodorowski's work, like if they are saying similar things. Probably a lot. I think um, one of the things Leary said in the book is like he doesn't believe in like cutting a deck and pulling a card means anything. He thinks that's like random. He doesn't believe like 
he doesn't believe in divination, but he does believe that the tarot cards were designed to show the progression of human consciousness, like the symbols, like from fool to magician and onwards. Um, mm-hmm. And then he compared like each layer is a layer of our development as people. So. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that um, completely. So you were asking me about what I'm working on. Do you mean like professionally or emotionally? Yeah, like, yeah, like as, as you psychometric yourself or get psychometric, like, you know, what is it that your your evolving consciousness is evolving towards these days? I do. I do psychomagic myself. And um, oh, I've been working through so many honestly so many different things um there was just like a whole two months where I was like not really taking many clients where I was really just like in the books studying meditating journaling doing the psychomagic techniques on myself and I kind of just did a lot of work and that was a lot to do with like um every area of my life literally from like my relationship with my home country to my relationship with my parents wealth um even my relationship like I I went through kind of every single area of my life and meticulously worked through what what the symbol is related to that area how these symbols are working together like I kind of did like this really intensive lengthy like hours and hours long psychomagic session on myself but now on the other side of that honestly like without saying too much crazy information about myself, just doing that lifted so many blocks, even like on a physical level. It was insane. Like just like things started to flow in every single area of my life. What like, changed physically? With clients. Uh, <laughs> there's too many people around. But like even just sexually, like everything was just like, like blocks completely cleared. And during this process very weirdly enough, I did a psychomagic or I gave my neighbor a psychomagic act. My neighbor's actually in your line of work and she teaches a lot of like sexual coaching, sexual therapy and everything. And during that time, she offered a, um, oh, sorry, <laughs> my voice just cracked. Uh, she offered a session to me, which involved um, and like almost like a psych, well, basically what she offered me was the exact same thing that my friend Christophe had prescribed to me as a psychomagic act um, a year and a half earlier. So I went to my friend Christophe, who is a direct descendant of Alejandro Hodorowski, after I went through a breakup. And he was like, you need to do this specific thing, which I would, I would be more like vocal, but I can't be right now. This specific thing for 30 days or no, it was like 60 days. Can you hint what it is? Like, what are you talking about? An egg. (laughs) Oh, yoni egg? Yeah, exactly. You have to do this specific thing for 60 days. I know, but I'm like in a weird situation. For 60 days, and then um, it will help you with your emotional blocks, right? And so my friend specializes in this, and randomly, after I gave her a psychomagic act, offered this trade. So I find myself completing this psychomagic act that I was grant or was prescribed a year and a half earlier and just doing that one thing like I didn't even do the full 60 days but just the one day completely like yeah it was just like completely changed and removed everything 
like I feel like I don't even have to do the 60 day thing. Right. So that was one psychomagic act that I completed so much later and still had an impact, which just blows my mind with how powerful the psychomagic act well, can be. For what we were speaking about, like the fact that it was so long ago, probably put a lot more weight. It's kind of like going on a long journey to get your, your miracle, you know? Yeah. And it really <laughs> literally was a miracle. Like I saw results in one day. <laughs> like, like what? Like emotional, like I don't consider myself emotionally or physically blocked at all, but I was like, I want to take everything to the next level, you know, and that's exactly what it did. I can't really speak in, um, like, I can't speak in graphic terms right now, but you can just imagine what that would be. And so to me, it was, and, and literally like, even it went even, it went even to like a level that I didn't even um think was possible you know what i mean so mm-hmm. the psychomagic act that that was prescribed so long ago still worked so what i'm currently working on now is less of like um less of like a specific thing but more of recognizing how through the psychomagic work that i've done just seeing how much i hold myself back from everything almost as a rule like my first thing that I do is hold myself back even though if you look at my life it doesn't seem like it I know that I've held myself back and just working through those things as they come up one by one so more about like personal power and also about um I want to take a whole new direction with my life and my work and everything and really just feeling that out like consciously but also going through subconsciously and seeing what's there so I'm not like working on anything specific right now because I kind of just did and now it's more like taking all this that I learned and just like maybe moving away from Costa Rica, maybe um, broadening my career a bit more. Yeah, weren't you going to go to France? All that. I was considering going to France, but now it's, I'm probably going to end up in Europe mm-hmm. for a while. I'll be in Spain in March. Where unless, in Spain? I'm probably going to go to Granada first. And then where? I don't know. Spain is on my list, so maybe I'll meet you there in March. Great. We could be neighbors. Let's do it. Well, did you see the rent prices? I feel like we could definitely be like neighbors. One of us can have one floor. The other can have the other. Like, we'll have so both cheap? floors. Yes. Okay. No, I'm trying to buy land and build houses. We'll talk about it later. Um, oh, my God. T- tiny houses. Yes, let's yeah. Okay. Um, wait, what was, I was going to ask you something more relevant than that. Uh, oh, Maybe wait, I could d- do that too. Sorry, I'm we'll getting talk, We'll talk what? after it. Tiny houses are the future, but we'll talk about that in a second. Um, what, di- what direction are you going with your work? Well, I want to... So I love this idea of not doing predictions. And I think that scares people. I think when people get a reading, they want to get a prediction. But mm. I really want to move my work away from that. And I just, I just see how past life readings and this kind of work people make a shift within the same session. Like probably when we were talking about it, you were like already putting it all together and you already had like an understanding in yourself. Like, Oh, I already know what I need to change. Like it's just immediate, you know, it's not. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm interested in that because, because I don't want to impress myself upon my clients. That's why I like psychomagic and this language linguistic work, which I studied languages for a long time. I have a bachelor's degree summa cum laude in French, you know, it's like, I really always love languages. And so this is just an extension of that. 
I listen to people, I learn how to speak their language and I work with them in their language. So to me, I want to keep doing that and working with that. And the fun thing about that is that there's no memorization required. You don't study a symbolic book. You just train yourself to be more empathic and to be more present and to be better at making connections. And so it's just about doing that and refining how I can use that to really help people. And so I want to focus more on that. And then to me, the most powerful human forces are imagination and our creativity. And I remember you sent me to your friend. What is her name? Carolyn, Carolyn, right? Carolyn Elliott. Carolyn Elliott. And we started talking and she offered me one of her courses for free. And I think she kind of influenced me a lot, which is funny. She has a course called influence, but Mm -hmm. she influenced me in a certain aspect of my career. And that I totally agree with her that our creativity and our imagination is one of the most potent creative forces that we have. And she's really into poetry. I'm really into poetry. always have been. And Alejandro Hodorowski is so into poetry that he recommends writing one poem a day. And, um, I would like to focus more on my own creativity and um, the healing and everything that that brings. And just like the, and and not even like, I want to heal with my art. Just, I want to focus on my creativity because I feel like that is the most powerful human force that we have. And um, I just envision that my future will have a lot more music, art, film even, you know, because I've always done that. I just never made, like, since I started my business, I quit making space for that. And that makes me depressed when I'm not creating. Like, I literally, I, I can't go very long without creating. Otherwise, I start having these nightmares where I have a million pets and I forgot to feed them for, like, three <laughs> years. And they're all, they're all dying and eating each other. Like, the snakes are eating the rabbits and the rabbits are eating the cats. And, like, that's really how it feels for that's me. That's so. good symbolism. Just imagine this, though. <laughs> land by the Pyrenees, tons of tiny houses, and there's a tiny house for filming and a tiny house for dance and a tiny house for painting. Well, I like that idea. So let's just talk about it. And yeah, maybe off okay. camera. <laughs> uh, have you seen El Topo? Isn't that Hodorowski? Yeah, it's Hodorowski's really strange film that I did not understand, but I'm sure it's full of symbols. You know, what's funny is that I've never been a huge fan of his filmmaking and that's mm-hmm. my first, intro- that was my first introduction to him, but I'm obsessed with his comic books, which he doesn't do the art, but he does the stories. And then Mobius, mm-hmm. who's one of like the greatest artists of all time, does all the illustration and it's, oh, cool. they're gorgeous I'll books. Check it out. Yeah. Check out I, the thinking- Incall. Incall? It's I-N-C-A-L. Yeah, I-N-C-A-L. Cool. I'll check it out. Um, I just, yeah, I the, bought the poem it. poem thing is interesting because I write every morning and sometimes I'm just dribbling, right? Usually I write down my dreams and sometimes I'm dribbling. Why not write a poem in the morning? Um, yeah. Well, Ruan, poems connect you to your symbolic language because poems are mostly metaphors. Yeah. Flash. And symbolism. Yeah. I only write poems after breakups too. It's a weird thing. Poems and eczema. That's, uh, you know, I get, I get one, I get one per breakup. <laughs> well, eczema is considered to be an emotional thing because um, I actually had a boyfriend that like 
had like terrible eczema all the time. And I remember talking to my teacher who's a healer about it. And he was like, oh yeah, that has to do with all the emotional stuff. And also I have like chronic eczema on my hands. And Mm -hmm. ever since I did this work recently, it's all gone, but my hands consistently peel like all the time. Oftentimes from mold, which is, you know, (laughs) it's like decaying things. So I think my whole problem with my uh, skin on my hands is I have a problem letting go. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, can I just say it's, uh, yeah. I was thinking, I was thinking this like 10 minutes ago. It's really cool speaking with you. Cause I was just remembering, I'm very nostalgic. I'm remembering us both being super broke in Brooklyn and not knowing what we're doing with our lives. So it's like cool to speak like this with our, with our, yeah, anyway. With our fantastic lives by the pool. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was going to say with our cameras that don't shoot straight, which is why we're not using the video of this. But other th- everything else is great. Well, your audience probably doesn't know, but we, we first met. Oh, when I saw Ruan, I was like, I have to talk to that guy. And I was like, why? Probably because you were doing all this weird like sexual work. And so you probably were like magnetizing your sexual energy out into the room and making women talk to you (laughs) but I wasn't trying to talk to you like I wanted to flirt with you I just was like for some reason I need to know this guy Mm. and we were DJs at Radio Bel Air yeah and are they still around I I wonder probably not no I had um I had I think my show was about it was like a medicinal medicinal shows like they were all about self-help yeah, my show is called Self Help. This is before I had this business, and then we did sex t- like sex talks together. Once your partner orgasm. left, yeah, uh, Summer, who's been on the podcast, she bounced, and then you took over, and we I think we did maybe ten episodes before we tanked the show, but it was fun. Yeah. Oh, because and then- because <laughs> it was the coldest fucking winter. It was I think 2013's winter or 2015 I don't know it was so cold and the studio was in a shipping container which was really cool in a hipster way but had no heating so we had to bundle up and like put on a space heater for an hour before we got to the studio and shiver the entire radio show that's why we stopped going (laughs) and we had to pay to be DJs it was like so weird it was like it was like a luxurious thing. Anyway, so we were in Brooklyn and then we took a trip together to Sedona which was Mm -hmm. life-changing and now we are both in other parts of the world. So, yeah. Oh, so then, no, I was like, I have to talk to this guy. And I was like, why? And then I looked you up online. And then I saw that you were doing orgasmic meditation. And I was like, oh, my God, that's a thing. I'm like, I've been, I've been developing orgasmic meditation techniques my whole life. I need to talk to this guy. And then that really helped me with my research and my process and everything. It was like, yeah, are you ever, okay. have you put that out yet? No, but oh. I'm with my with my friend Bianca, who mm-hmm. I met. Um, she's like my neighbor. We are thinking of offering something coming up. We're going to talk cool. about it, but she might be like the right person for me to unleash that with. I definitely wasn't ready to do that when I knew you in Brooklyn, but um, mm-hmm. she's. I think she her and I might do something. We'll see. I, sh- I guess I shouldn't talk about tentative things, but yeah, whatever. We'll find out. <laughs> Dropping it on the Rano podcast. Great. Uh, so where can everyone find more of your work? That is not tentative. NicoleBrenny.com, YouTube.com slash listen to the stars or 
at listen to the stars underscore and at Nicole Brenny underscore. I think that's like my personal thing. So I have um, my personal Instagram and then my professional stuff, but I don't know. My professional and my personal stuff don't always coincide to be honest with you. Like I like to have that nice work life balance. So cool. So it's all out there. I mean, you have one of the bigger YouTube channels on astrology, right? Well, I wouldn't say bigger, but it's a healthy channel. Yeah. I don't put, okay. I don't ever post <laughs> videos on there anymore. I want to again, but I was looking at my astrocartography for Costa Rica and it's like, this is a great place for you to retire. And I feel like ever since I've been here, I've been like in retirement mode, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. That, um, yeah. All my astrocartography, all my lines cross in Norway. So I feel like I got to go. Maybe someone can interpret. I don't know what that means. I just saw a lot of lines cross in Norway. So I was like, all right. You can do astro click travel on astrodeinst.com or astro.com. And you can like click on the lines and it tells you what it means. But I don't know how, I don't know how much I believe in astrocartography or not, but so far it's been pretty accurate. Cause it was like Montreal is like a dream place for you and you're going to be so happy and have so many friends and be so creative. And like, I literally would walk the streets of Montreal every day and be like, I love this city. I'm so happy. And then I moved to Brooklyn and I was like, I hate this city. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Um, my Mars line <laughs> runs through Phoenix and I broke my arm there, like within a few days of being there. I don't know. Yeah. Coincidence. I think, I think it's pretty accurate. Yeah. This is um, my boyfriend's family's dog named Lenny and she's so cute. Cool. All right. Well, Nicole, it was great speaking with you. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Psychomagic. I hope that we will travel together again soon or meet up in another city. And yeah, if anybody that's listening honestly is like confused or has any questions or wants to have some kind of a session with me, but doesn't really know what, cause we talked about so many random things just email me and like, even if I'll set up like a little zoom call with you just to answer your questions, it's fine. So you can email me hi at Nicole and I'll help you to figure out like, if you want to do something with me, we'll help. I'll help you figure out which service. Great. Okay. Bye.